You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 291, Developing a Christian Worldview, Part 2. And last week we started this series uh, defining and discussing the importance of a biblical or a Christian worldview. And what's sad is studies indicate that possibly as few as 10% of Christians actually have what we would consider a traditional Christian worldview. And uh, this is very sad. This is, this is uh, definitely uh, going to cause some problems, and it's probably one of the reasons why the church, in some cases, has become so watered down in their influence in the world today. And so last week we talked about the fact that a worldview is the filter or the lens that we view everything through. We view not only our own lives, but we also view society, we view history, we view everything through our worldview. And if we don't have a Christian or a biblical worldview, obviously we're going to look at things a bit differently than someone who's looking at it through the lens uh, of Scripture. And as Christians, obviously that's where we want to be. We want to interpret uh, the times where we're at today. We want to interpret history. We want to look at things through the lens of God's Word. And we talked about the fact that it's not just our personal beliefs. We we don't want to live in a, a life where we compartmentalize everything. And this is one of the reasons why I believe so many believers, sincere Christians, um, really don't have a Christian or a, or a biblical worldview, and it's because they've compartmentalized their life. God is just another small segment of their life. And so for them, whether it's uh, the movies they watch or the views that they hold or their um, uh, ideologies, political ideologies, social ideologies, whatever it might be, that's just another segment of their life, and it's never examined through the lens of Scripture. And then last week we also talked about um, three opposing worldviews, and there's many more, but these three kind of give us an idea um, of, of what we're dealing with in society today. Relativism, um, your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth, and there's no ultimate or absolute truths. Um, another one was pursuit of pleasure, and we see this so prevalently in, in Western society where we're um, pursuing pleasure, we're pursuing comfort. And then the third one is universalism. Is, is Again, there's no absolute truths, but all paths, all roads lead to God. And obviously many Christians in, 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 in the Christian church in general has been criticized for being dogmatic and saying that Jesus is the only way to God. But really that's what Christians have believed for 2,000 years. That's what the Bible teaches. And um, sadly, in some cases, even 
men who would define themselves as Christian ministers have said that this idea of universalism is a, a very important belief for the church to adopt and to understand that God loves everybody and that all paths and all truths lead to God. I saw recently that um, the Pope uh, was quoted as saying that, that even atheists can go to heaven. I, I don't quite understand that. That's not what the Bible teaches, but again, this idea of universalism. So today we're going to move forward, and uh, the first thing we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about the components, some of the components of a Christian worldview. What makes up a biblical perspective? What makes up a biblical worldview? All right, before we get into the components of a Christian worldview, I want to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. New Testament Snapshots examines the lives of 12 of the lesser-known people in the New Testament. And, and while there might may not be a whole lot written about some of these people, there's enough written to give us a bit of a, a an idea of the type of person that they were. And in some cases, we even have uh, tradition, history, and extra-biblical texts that help shape our narrative of these people. You know, listen, you've all got that family member who, when it comes time to get their pictures taken, they all want to stand in the very back so you can't hardly see them. And when we read the New Testament, there's people like that that we wish we knew a little bit more about, but the picture that we're given just doesn't give us quite enough information. At least that's what we think. So I think you'll find New Testament snapshots fascinating and helpful and really will give you some insight into some of the characters uh, that you've read about but maybe wish you knew just a little bit more about their life. So New Testament snapshots, check it out. Of course, click on the link uh, to go to Amazon and you can read at least you know the first chapter or so for free. Get an idea if you'd like to read the book. So do that. I would love it. You'll love it, and we'll all be happy. All right, well, back to components of a Christian worldview. What are the things that make up a Christian worldview? Remember, we're talking about a perspective. We're talking about the lens that we view life through, the lens that we view society through, the lens that we view politics through, the lens that we view history through social issues. We view everything through our worldview, through our perspective. And so what are some things that make up a Christian or a biblical worldview? Well, first of all, the the, the very first one is, is we have to understand what is our view of God? You know, a wrong view of God could even be considered idolatry. Uh, understanding that um, you know, God has presented Himself through the pages of Scripture, uh, through through history. We see God revealing Himself, and then through the pages of Scripture, we see God showing us who He is and what He's like. But yet, often we still have a wrong view of God. Let me give you a couple of examples. Some people have a view of God as as you know the angry father holding on to the stick, just waiting to to thump you over the head if you're out of line. Well, obviously, this is going to affect your worldview. You're going to see God as an angry God and a God looking to bring judgment onto the world. Well, that's 
that's dangerous. And, and, and let's face it, there have been plenty of Christians that have been vocal about, you know, the, the whole COVID-19. This is God's judgment and he's, you know, he's punishing us for our sins. And I, I just don't think that's true. Another view of God is, is he's just the passive parent, the cool dad who lets you do anything you want. Well, obviously, this is going to uh, affect your view of God as well and, and, and the way you live, because if, if God's permissive and God lets you do anything you want, then there are no real rules. There are no things to um, protect you from harming yourself. And if you want to sleep around, if you want to uh, run around on your wife, if you want to you know, sleep around before you get married, if you want to do drugs or, 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 or binge drink alcohol, or you know, we could go down the list talking about all the different things, then um, obviously we're setting ourselves up for disaster, but this comes from our perspective of God. So what is our view of God? What does the Bible say about who God is? And so that's why we have to get into the Scriptures and see what the Scriptures say. The Scriptures tell us that God is love. That's His nature. He's not waiting with a stick to beat us over the head. But we also find out that he is a a good and loving father who's set up boundaries for his children to live. Um, He's he's provided us with with, uh, guidelines to live by, to protect us, not to hurt us. I mean, parents who who tell their children not to run in the street or not trying to uh, deprive them of, of having a good time or expressing their freedom. They're trying to protect them from getting run over by a big truck. So... Um, having a a, a correct view of God is such an important component of our worldview. And where do we get that? Well, we read the Scriptures. We read the Bible. We read the Old Testament, the New Testament, and we get a clear picture of who God is and what He wants to do in the lives of His people. And then this leads right into the second component of our worldview is what is your view of the Scriptures? Now, look, I get it. We live in the first post Christian generation. We, we've got a generation of people who are growing up today that did not grow up in church. Now, when I was coming up, most everybody went to church. It was a small minority that didn't go to church. Most people had some connection to a church. Even if they didn't go regularly, they still went a few times a year. There was an understanding of, of the Christian narrative, but we're not there today, and people are growing up without a connection to God in the church. And this affects us. How you know? Look, if if, if I'm not a, a part of church, if I haven't grown up going to church or having a connection with God, then I'm probably not going to have a very high view of the Scriptures. You know, it's just an old book. It's written by people who, um, you know, lived a long time ago, and and you know they were you know just men, and it, and and it's really nothing more than just a beautiful piece of literature. But really, our view of scriptures is so vitally important because, again, it's going to determine our worldview. If we see the scriptures as just another book, then again, we go back to what we talked about last week. There's no standard for us to live by. But if we understand the scriptures as being inspired by God, as Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16, God breathed on the men who wrote the scriptures, um, we see this connection between men and the divine and God using those men to write the scriptures. And what's fascinating is 
the, the, the connection and the beauty that they, they, they flow together. 66 different books, and yet there's such a connection and a thread that's woven throughout them by the Holy Spirit. And I get it. You know, we live in a generation where people do not believe in the authority of the Scriptures. And so for us as Christians, this is a, a little bit more challenging because we tend to say, well, you know, the Bible says, or, you know, the, 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 the Scriptures say. But if I'm talking to somebody that doesn't believe them, those words have no weight. But really, I can't control what other people believe. But in my life, the Scriptures have supreme weight. And they should in your life as well if you're a follower of Christ. And the Scripture should be one of the primary things that shape your worldview. But sadly, we've got to this point in, in Christianity where we're extremely biblically um, illiterate. Uh, even people who profess the name of Jesus very often say they don't spend any more than five minutes a week reading the Bible. And often this is at church, you know, just looking at what the pastor puts up on the screen. And we've really got to get back to a point when, uh, where, where, you know, Christians are reading the Bible for themselves. They're, they're praying about it. They're meditating on it. They're, they're, you know, maybe studying some other things, some other commentaries to get a little more insight. But they're not just relying on their pastor or priest to tell them what the Bible means. And it's not that we all come up with our own meanings, but it's, it's, it's important that we all read it for ourselves and get it into our hearts and minds. Uh, and and we'll, we'll talk more in, in a few minutes about how the Scriptures can actually help change the way we think. So what's our view of God? What's our view of Scriptures? And then number three, um, what is our view of Jesus? We're talking about developing a Christian world view. This is probably one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves. What is my view of Jesus Christ? And, you know, Jesus asked that question of his disciples. He said, who do the people say that I am? They said, well, you know, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're this guy maybe reincarnated. And, you know, even today when we ask that question, who is Jesus? My gosh, what an offensive question that is because, um, you know, People don't want to deal with the reality of who Jesus is. And, 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 and you know, you'll hear, well, you know, he was a good teacher. He was a good philosopher. Um, he was a good man. He was, a, a, you know, misunderstood revolutionary. He was, you know, died for what he believed in. And, you know, those things are all nice. But really, the reality is, if you believe the Bible, Jesus was and is God incarnate. God entered history through Jesus, fully man, fully God. And this is what Christians have believed for 2,000 years. Now, why is this important? Well, again, we're talking about developing a worldview. What's the lens that you view society through? What's the lens that you view history through? How do you, how do you uh, relate to those around you? Well, listen, having the, a right understanding of who Jesus is changes everything. What is our view of Jesus? Because... Jesus made some outlandish claims. You know, some people would say, well, Jesus is, is you know, he was a good man, he was a prophet, um, but, you know, that was all. Well, you know, he made some crazy claims for a good man. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God except through me. I was in John 14, 6. Uh, he said that he and God were one in John 10. Um, I mean, just some outlandish claims 
from the guy that you know many people would say is just a good man. Now, this is important because if Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to God by him, well, words are cheap. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, anybody can say anything. So, so how, how do we... You know, how do, how do we know that Jesus knew what he was talking about? Well, it, pretty simple. He said, um, he, he told his disciples that he was going to be crucified and he was going to rise from the dead. Well, you know, the guy who predicts his own death and then pulls it off and then rises from the dead, that's the guy that I'm going to go with. And obviously, you know, there's been a lot of attacks on the historicity of the resurrection. That's why I, one of the reasons I wrote my book, um, Reflections on the Resurrection. Um, I'll actually put a, show, uh, a link in the show notes to that as well. But we talk about the importance of the resurrection. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Christianity doesn't exist. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Christianity doesn't exist. But if Jesus is who he said he was, then we really, when we look at, 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 at society, when we look at um, social issues, when we look at politics, when we look at everything that's going on around us, and we look at it through the lens of Jesus as the Son of God, the risen, living Son of God who's coming back again one day, it changes the way we look at everything. So what is our view of Jesus? And then the fourth one that we'll talk about, the fourth component of a of a Christian worldview is this. What is our view of the sin, of, of, of sin, of the sacrifice of Christ and salvation? You know, this is important because we as we just said, Jesus was the, the Son of God, God in the flesh, but he came for a reason. And the Bible teaches that he came to sacrifice himself for humanity. Now that wasn't the only reason he came, he came to show us. Uh, what God was like. He came to put a face on God. He came to reveal uh, God to, to the world in a very real sense. But he also came to, to present himself as the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God to be sacrificed for the, the sin of man. Now, when we talk about sin, this is a bad word. Nobody wants to talk about sin. Even in church today, we don't want to talk about sin. We'll talk about, oh, God, I've done a lot of bad things. and God, I hope you'll forgive me for, for the bad things I've done or bad choices I've made. And, and that's nice, but the Bible calls it sin. Sin is ultimately rebellion against God. And the Bible teaches that everyone is a sinner. Now, that's not what you're going to get in, 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 you know, most people don't believe that. Even some Christians don't believe that. But this is what the Bible teaches. And again, we're talking about developing a Christian worldview. And, you know, when we talk about in society, you know, there's, there's sometimes talk in different uh, political arenas or um, social justice arenas about creating some type of utopia. Well, listen, it's never going to happen. I mean, listen, we constantly push forward to doing better. But we're never going to create a utopia until Jesus comes back because man is sinful. And we just have to understand that. We can't be surprised when people do bad things. Um, it's the nature of living in a fallen world. But then we talked about the fact Jesus came, died for our sins. And then salvation. Where does salvation come from? Is salvation based on all the good things I do? Or is it based on what Christ has done for us? And again, this is what the Bible teaches and the Bible teaches all have sinned and that we all need a Savior. 
And, you know, this goes back to what we've been talking about. What What is our view of Jesus? Is he Is his death and resurrection sufficient to save us? Or do I have to work for my salvation? Do I have to see how many good deeds I can do? You know, these are very important questions, but they they really do shape what our worldview is because when we um, watch things on TV, when we hear things in society, when we read news stories, when we watch what's going on around us, it, it, it it's so liberating to see through the lens of Scripture and to understand that when non-biblical ideas are being put forth to solutions, um, we understand that they're probably not going to work. Now, look, I get it. We don't live in a, in, a, in, a, in a Christian theocracy, thank God. Can't imagine living in some type of theocracy. But at the same time, um, we do understand that um, you know when people put ideas forward that aren't based on the Bible, they're probably not, not going to work. And so as Christians, we want to have this worldview that helps us to understand what's going on around us. Well, I think we're going to um, wrap up here. I'm going to just share a couple of more thoughts, and then we're going to wrap it up, and then we'll pick back up next week. But here's here's what I want to share with you. We're talking about um, our worldview, and I want to just read a passage of Scripture to you. I'm going to read it in two translations. Um, the first is the uh, English Standard Version, which I really like, and then I'm going to read it to you in the message. And it's a passage of Scripture that's fairly familiar if you've read the Bible at all. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2. And Paul says this. He's talking about changing our thoughts, changing our perspective, changing our the way we think. Listen to what he says. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now catch this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, perfect, and acceptable. So Paul talks about renewing our mind, thinking differently. Um, Maybe we could even say without stretching it too far, developing a a worldview uh, based on on the Scriptures, transforming the way we think. But listen to the message version. And the message is a uh, uh, more of a paraphrase, but it's beautifully written. And I love the way... Uh, I believe Eugene Peterson put it together. Listen to what he says uh, on this passage, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's a little bit longer. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday life, your ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. And then... We'd go back and repeat that again. But anyway, Romans 12, 1 and 2 from the message version. So take your everyday ordinary life and submit it before God and don't let the world drag you down. So 
We'll stop here. We'll come back next week and we'll we'll, we'll kind of take up and we're going to actually look at some examples and how to um, apply a Christian worldview to maybe some issues that are um, in our society today, some things that we can discuss and see what the Bible says just so we can understand how this worldview thing works. So I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. If, uh, if you've got any thoughts about what I've shared, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, while you're at davidspell.com, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. And I'll see you next week on Leading and Learning.